Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of More Than a Title. I'm your host, as usual, Jared Thomas. And once again, we're at More Than a Title, which is a show that we created because I want to know the person behind the title, right? We want to know the lessons and learn from those journeys and those experiences and give you something different from the old, old hey, this is just a marketing podcast and this is what you do. So I, I'm super excited about this. I have a special, special young guest, a great guest, a young lady right next to me. So she is, she's a you know leading voice in people's culture, futurist thinking, and is known for illuminating personality and experiential, uh, exper- experiential learning innovation. So she's currently serves as the CEO of Two Ventures, first unpacking which shapes healthy workplace cultures for individuals and teams. And her real estate venture at Baldwin and Simone's is an experiential, uh, experiential hotel design with travelers of color in mind. She's also a great, great niece of Jackie Robinson. Uh, award-winning work is not just a passion, but it's a legacy and has received notable recognitions from Forbes, Beyonce, the NAACP, TechCrunch, and many other more. Um, I'd like to introduce as welcome our special guest, Christina Ashley Williams. What's up, Queen? Sorry. Hi, hi. So excited to be here and dive in today. Yeah. I got I just come coming from a conference, so I've got like tons of, of things on my heart and my mind of <laughs> I love it. I love it. See, this is uh, before we even start the conversation, I'll tell everybody listening. Like, so me and Christina first met in a sales, just regular sales conversation. I was working in the agency. But as you see her energy right now, as soon as I got on the phone call, I'm like, man, she is so dope. Man. She's different. <laughs> like, I love everything that you stand for. Uh, I love what you're building. And, you know, like I've got nieces, I got, you know, cousins, all that who look just like you. And I feel like learning your story is so, you know, impactful. So I'm just glad you took time out your day, Queen. And um, if you want, let's just start at the top. Let's just start Let's at um, you know, your background and, and how did you get into industry and what fueled some of your passions? Yeah, I actually spent about uh, over a decade, maybe 12, 13 years in the field of education, specifically Mm -hmm. as a director within the after school space. So I worked a lot with social emotional learning and cross cultural education, financial literacy, all of the core um, life teachings that aren't necessarily like topics in the classroom, but are very important just to like know how to navigate life. And so that's where I found my niche and my love for education. Um, and in this period of time when I was living in the Bay, I was recognizing it was kind of like a tale of two cities, right? There was uh, super rich techies moving into the community while people like myself, broke ass teachers, were getting displaced. And so what I recognized was like, yo, I want to I want to live like them, right? Like, what are they doing over there? But there was a huge gap. I didn't have the language. I did not have um, the exposure to that industry growing up. I had no clue how to even enter it. And it seemed so unrealistic for me to find place and sense of belonging within that that world. And so I just took a radical bet on myself and risked it all. Um, I quit my job, which was a... highly coveted position um, within one of the um, nation's largest youth serving organizations. I quit my doctorate degree, which was something I had worked my entire life to get to. Uh, But what I realized was, you know, I don't want to just write and publish work. I want to be in the leading position to like be doing the work and get the, get the um, information that we're doing like to the general public. And so I just took a huge bet on myself 
and went back to school after leaving my doctorate in education to get a second master's degree. And that led me to having a master's in teaching and social science from USC and Mm -hmm. also a master's in integrated design technology and business. And so the way that um, unpacking came about was I graduated at the top of May 2020, right before George Floyd was murdered. And so we're in a pandemic. I'm graduating online in the bathroom while I'm brushing my teeth. (laughs) And then right after George Floyd was murdered, we see this global uprising in soon. And it just so happened that I had expertise specifically in critical race studies with my master's in teaching social yeah. science. And my foundation was in CRT. And then I also happen to have another master's degree now <laughs> in design technology. And so I created an education technology to help um, society um, learn more about cross-cultural education through a gamified way. That that is so fire. Like <laughs> that is fire, Christina. Like that is fire. Like one I, what I took away from that, aside from you know the amazing story and your educational journey and what you've been able to do and betting on yourself, but like the fact that you just took the leap of faith, right? Yeah. That's what's inspiring to me, right? Like, especially for our community, right? Like a lot of people get like like one thing people ask me is like, Jared, how are you so able to be so damn authentic online and stuff like that? How are you wearing the hat and the hoodie? I'm like, it's easy to be me than to be your ass. So it's like, you know, like and be myself. I can't give you anything else. Right. So I would love to know from you, like for anybody that's watching, for any, you know, young black women out there watching, like what advice would you give to them for them to bet on themselves? Because it's crazy that you said that, because like that's my TED talk. Is going to be about is how to bet on yourself. Oh, like, I love that topic. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to watch. I can't um, wait. Okay. So couple of things. Arlen Hamilton always says, if you have to show up as you, so the people that are looking for you can find you. Exactly. Right. If you're faking the funk and you're trying to be something else or pretending to be something else, the folks that actually need to see you are going to miss you. And you also may miss opportunities that were meant for you because you were living in your truth. Um, Being able to bet on yourself I think comes from knowing what you've been able to show up as in the past. Remind Mm. yourself all you've Mm. you've survived thus far, right? And also remind yourself that you have a unique vision. I like to do this analogy around wearing glasses. Jared, Mm. if you had a set of glasses that you were wearing, they would have a prescription in them for your particular eyesight because you were given a particular vision. Now, if I put your glasses on, I can't see that same vision in the same way, right? It's not my prescription. And so when I think about betting on myself, I always remember like, well, I was given a vision. And when we have a vision, God's going to give us the provisions to bring it to life. So like, Mm. we may not know how we're going to um, do X, Y, and Z, but we just have to keep taking that one step in front of the other and walking by faith in order to do so. Um, I have a really recent anecdote That actually speaks beautifully to this concept and um, just brought in some coins into the company because I took a bet on myself and believed in myself. Um, I may have seen that we just won the speed pitch competition at the South by Southwest conference. Oh, congrats. um, congrats. 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 Congrats.
the the tea behind that is we were actually an alternate. Unpacking wasn't selected as a finalist. We were selected as an alternate, which means they had category. They had about like 12 categories or so. And they had about five finalists for each category. And then they had three alternates for each category. The alternates get a one minute pitch and then the finalists get a five minute pitch. And Mm. the alternates are there in case one of the finalists don't show up. And also, just so we have an opportunity to still, like, um, get our brand, like, in front of a big audience, because it's a huge conference and everything. Yeah, absolutely. So what ends up happening is, you know, like, I, I'm like, dang, like, I'm an alternate, but it's cool. They gave us free tickets to the, to the conference. Might as well, like, enjoy it, like, while I'm there, whatever. Yep. I'm going to go in and give it, give it what I got. We get there. Uh, we're going through rehearsals and I'm recognizing a couple things during rehearsals already off the bat. People remember the one minute pitches a lot better than they are the three minute pitches. So three minute pitches are taking longer, yes. right? We've got like so many more to go through. And so I'm like, okay, that's low key kind of an advantage. I'm saying, okay, okay, okay. What I also, what also happened was I obviously have a very bubbly personality. I get up on stage, we're going through rehearsals and we have coaches there. We have, we have speaking judges. And the coaches are like, you may want to tone it down a bit. And, you know, that is something I've heard yes, throughout my life and always stabs no. me in the heart. I'm like, oh, <laughs> are you saying my personality is unprofessional? Right? Right. That's um, my superpower. That's my superpower. Like, but this is, what, this is also what, like, brings me customers and brings me great friendships and what <laughs> makes me memorable and all that jazz. But yeah. That was my that was my feedback. I'm like, okay, they're trying to get me to conform. I'm like, that ain't happening. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna take what I can, take what I can get, and, and see what I can mesh with it. So, anyways, that's rehearsal. The next day is the pitch. Now we go up. I kill it. I win the pitch for the future of work category. What happens next is all of the alternates. So they have winners for the finalists and they have winners for the alternates. Okay, and then um. All of the other winners from the other categories and the other alternates have to compete against each other during the award ceremony. The mm-hmm. finalists aren't competing during the award ceremony. This is just the way the South by Southwest had their, their ceremony set up. Only the alternates. So that meant me and the other alternates that won their categories got to go on stage in front of investors and media and customers on this big stage and I won the finals for our speed pitch competition as well. So that means everyone in the audience that was there with the money saw me as the biggest winner. Mm. And so like when I went in at thinking like, oh, I'm an underdog, what God actually had planned for me was like, now hold up girl, (laughs) I got you, just trust, just trust. And that ended up turning into a six figure investment because, um, well, thus far, I've got a couple other meetings coming up this week um, from there that from that pitch as well, from other funds. Um, but going in as an alternate, thinking uh, this is just for shits and giggles or just for a, yeah. um, some like quick press or something, ended up turning into way more than I had um, I had thought it was going to. And it was a really great reminder that we don't always know what's planned for us, but when we're given a vision, we have to, we have to keep walking um, in faith by, by, yeah. for it. 
Yeah, that glasses analogy was fire. I love that, right? And, and also what I loved about the story is your mindset, right? Because you're thinking about the, the, first of all, you said, I have a minute. They have three to five minutes, right? So somebody, like most, right, most normal people would have been like, damn, I'm at a disadvantage. Like, I'm just going to do whatever. Like, it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to win this. What are the chances of me winning anyway, right? Like, so it becomes that. But you thought about the glass half full instead of glass mm-hmm. half empty, right? And most CEOs and entrepreneurs I speak of or speak to have that mm-hmm. same mindset, right? So that's like just amazing to me that you were able to do that. Once again, congratulations. And, and I think it would be a great segue because you said you started it around the time, the unpacking around the time George Floyd, right? So right. what was like the first step, right? Like, so if I'm trying to like, if I have a similar <laughs> idea, like I don't have no funding, I got nobody in the bank, I got no rich uncle, my mom and no man got it. Like, who? Do, what do I do? You know what I mean? What is the first step? So, you know, all those companies that were like, we stand in favor of Black Lives Matter. I went yeah. and researched all those lists and cold emailed all of them. and was like, we can help you with those commitments you made. Mm. And so that's how we got our first customers. And then what ended up happening was we were really good. And so word of mouth just continued to carry about our program. And so... In 2020, we were just off the ground, right? The curriculum was brand new and low-key bullshit, but we were like putting things together because like society's like, we need something right now. Um, And I'm using all these like different third-party services. We're on like Teachable, we're on Miro, we're on Kahoot. And then what happened was we applied to a grant from Beyonce, got that. We applied to Techstars, got that. We submitted a proposal to Salesforce, got that as a customer. And so now we had some funding and I was like, cool, let me take all of these cool features that I like on these other platforms and build out our own proprietary system. Mm. And so because I've been working with teenagers for so long and that's my bread and butter, my bread and butter, Butter. <laughs> I, um, I, I speak teen fluently. Um, I knew that if we were going to do anything with learning, it had to be experiential. It had to be gamified. And so I just applied yeah. those same con- concepts to adult learning. And so we built out Unpack. We were able to build our own platform in 2021 because of the funding that we now had. And that allowed us to create our own proprietary platform and scale out our curriculum. So throughout 2021, we've been running our anti-racism programming and we've graduated over 400 alumni to date, both from team trainings, working with organizations, and also from individuals that are um, joining our public cohorts with with peers from across the country and getting our our, um, certifications. And This has created a really awesome opportunity for us to validate our pricing, for us to validate the curriculum, for us to validate the technology and iterate, iterate, iterate. Now we're in a position where we're going into phase two of the company. And in 2022, now we're transitioning from a training platform to a school for social good. Mm. And so if you think about Khan Academy, we are transforming into the Khan Academy for cultural competency, where you'll be able to take courses on anti-racism and LGBTQ inclusion, disability inclusion, gender inclusion, product inclusion, and sustainability. So we want, whenever you're thinking about anything related to social impact, or um, diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, you have a go-to site that has gamified learning and cohorts that you actually get to 
interact with other people with as you go through um, our, our curriculum. And I'm super excited about this next phase. And also the beauty of patience that building yeah. this company has really taught, like what you think you're going to start off as continues to evolve as you're learning and you're Absolutely. in the field. And you have to be okay with testing, um, failing quickly, iterating, yeah. innovating. And yeah, it's just a really beautiful process. And there's like so much more that comes about um, over time than you originally have plans for when you first start. Yeah. I, oh man, that's that's so amazing. And for those, for anyone listening, right? For those who are listening, right? One thing that you said that was amazing just now is the fact that right, the George Floyd thing happened, right? Obviously, it was the it was the talk. It was something that really impacted me as a black man. I'm sure yourself too, Christina. Like, but you said I'm gonna hold you. I'm gonna hold you accountable, fam. Y'all want to say y'all gonna do X, Y, Z? Nah, nah. I'm here. What we gonna do? Right up. So I'm right here. These are my credentials, and this is what we're gonna do. And the fact, like. I'm curious to know, like, wh- what are the different processes for each of those investors, right? So when you spoke to Beyonce's firm, right, it was very vastly different from Salesforce or, yeah. or the other investors, right? What yeah. is that process like? Yeah, and so with Beyonce, she has a foundation called the Be Good Foundation, for and they partnered with the NAACP to create a um, a small business grant for Black-owned small businesses, and we were one of um, the the lucky recipients of this grant. And so just being really diligent about applying to as many funding opportunities as possible, you're going to get no's and you're going to get yeses. For example, I just told you I just won the whole uh, speed pitch at South by Southwest, but I also had just applied to another pitch competition at a huge ed tech company and got to, I didn't even get selected. So it's like, you don't know like who's going to be reviewing or what the criteria is going to be. And it's like, you have to like, put your name in as many hats as possible to it's a because it's a numbers game at the end of in the absolutely yeah, right sales, yeah yeah and then as far as investing goes it's also something that takes a long time and like you, you learn a lot in the process as well because it's it's about finding your industry niche Mm-hmm. It's about finding your cultural niche if you're looking for um, mm-hmm. folk that also understand your identity and lived experience in the process. Um, and it's also thinking outside of the box, right? So, for yeah. example, we're an education technology company. However, we're servicing tons of different industries. We're serving the entertainment industry, the healthcare industry, the hospitality industry, the yeah. technology industry, etc. So like we can apply to many different funds that serve other specific industries. And we're able to say, Hey, we're helping to improve business relations or organizational cultures within these ecosystems. And this is how we plan to do so. And so like, for example, we just got um, our investment from P MRC, mm-hmm. a um, joint partnership with um, P- a Penske Media Company yeah. that own, they own Billboard, Rolling Stone, Hollywood Reporter, Variety, mm-hmm. and they just bought South by Southwest. That wasn't part of the pitch competition. I just happened to have a big impression while I was on stage and they sought after me afterwards and was like, hey, we really love your stage presence and your ability to, um, your storytelling ability. And we think you'd be a really great fit for our fun. And we want to, um, improve these 
um, these issues within our industry. And so it's yeah. a great pipeline. So it's just like being able to think like all of the different spy, uh, um, what's the, what's the pinwheel? Yeah. But that's, oh man, that's just that, that's just, an, you're inspiring me right now by saying all this, like, like Christina, you are super dope. Like, so like what, what is the, my thing is like, if I was a CEO, if I had yeah. all this investment, right. One thing that would scare the hell out of me is like, where do I put the money? Right. Thank Making God. the right decisions. Right. Yeah. So, so what what advice would you give to somebody else who may be in a similar situation that got yeah. grant money or that's got funding? Like, how do you make sure that you're putting the right partners in place, that you hire the right staff, that you go to the right developers for your tech? Right. Yeah. Like, how do you vet all those things? That's a really good thing. I think um, word of mouth is key. I'm seeing some really interesting um plays as far as talent development, talent sharing, which I'll I'll speak to right um, next. So as far as starting off a business, if you're, I'm not a technical founder. I am a visionary. Okay. I am like, I'm design, I'm creative, I'm business strategy. That's me, but like coding, not my jam. Um, (laughs) And also as a CEO, it doesn't have to be, it's not supposed to be. That's why you hire people. Like the CEO's job is to get money and to scale a business. Like my job is not to be sitting there and coding. If I were a technical founder, it would be, but that's not not my my ministry. So um, what I was able to do was bring on a development studio who I was actually familiar with. I knew them through um, grad school and they, I was, I was able to outsource not only the tech, the engineering, but like the project management that comes with um, the development studio. So they gave me mm-hmm. a project manager and they have engineers that are working on my product. And so they've been able to build out my whole beta product over this past year. Wow. And now I've got a fully functioning learning mat. Now I am a black woman that owns learning management software. I am a mm-hmm. black woman that owns technology software. Say, say one I more time, Christina. Say one, one more time. Say, say one more time. You're a black woman. <laughs> I am a black woman. woman that owns technology software. And that shit is lit. Like, it's that is it. fire. Like, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. If you would have asked me if that was going to be a truth of mine five years ago, 10 years ago, I'd have been like, what are you talking about? That's not my, that's not the world that I'm in. But it can be. Um, and so, Outsourcing de- um, technology development when you're an earlier company is the way that I did it and that I think is the most financially feasible if yeah. you're building, if you're building out um, hardware or software. Um, because and this this is why, because salaries for one employee is over six figures. So yeah. are you going to hire one employee? to do tons of work that's not realistic for that one employee to do? Or are you going to hire a development studio that comes with a team of people for the same price? Makes sense to me. (laughs) There's there's gives and takes around everything, of course, but like that's what makes the most sense as in the pre-seed stage. And I'm, when I first started fundraising, I'm talking two years ago. So 2020, you would hear a lot of VCs saying some like old guard, like when I say old guard, I mean like white stuff that's been passed down and like doesn't make sense for most access to resources. And especially if you're coming from marginalized demographics, like 
just ask one of your buddies from school to cook. What? No. Um, <laughs> so like when, when I first started, I used to be critiqued on like, well, why don't you have an internal tech team or why don't you have a CTO or da, 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 da. And I'm like, you got CTO money. Cause that's why I'm talking to you right now. So I can bring <laughs> on those people. So, and, but now I'm seeing a different, a different conversation and like people aren't like now it's more normalized. So like just within the last two years, it's more normalized to be able to outsource um, your tech team as a building viable. In yeah. Building in the house. A lot of time on that. <laughs> Sorry. No, but, no, you're, no, you're good. Okay. So, so with that, um, and I can go over if you want, by the way, just. Yeah, I, I'm cool too. I'm okay. Gotcha. Um, so tech team outsource. Now, now I'm in a position where I'm raising for our seed rounds. So we've had pre-seed funding coming in thus far, meaning anything okay. that's under a million dollars, right? So we're getting check sizes that are like a hundred K, 150 K, 200, 250K. Yeah. Now when you get to your seed, you're not talking about one, two, three, four, maybe sometimes five million, depending on what, what sector you're in. Yeah. Um, so the funding that we're raising now will be funding that we can bring on our internal team, our t- internal yeah. tech team. And I do have um, uh, the funds to be able to pay salaries that are, uh, my, my thing is like, I want to make sure that I can guarantee at least two years salary for a hire. Like, I don't want to yeah. hire them. Knowing I can only pay them for one year. I want to already have it in the bank and the revenue is going to just exceed what yeah, we already yeah. have in the bank. You know what I mean? Yep. So true. So, so that the other, okay. So the other piece of advice around hiring, I would definitely say is hire contractors to do additional work. Your dev studio, my dev studio contracted, but also additional employees, um, whether it's for marketing, whether it's for sales, operations, whatever you need, an assistant. Um, There are tons of contract opportunities, but when you're thinking about even bringing on people full time, my biggest suggestion is doing quarterly contracts. So if you or if you can have extended contracts, what, what have you. Um, if you have contract workers and you have a three-month contract with them, it's kind of a three-month po- probationary period with them as well. It gives yep. you time to see if they are meshing well with your organizational culture, if they're producing yep. to the caliber that you want. And then at the end of that contract, you're able to be like, sayonara if they didn't fit what you were looking for or you're able to be like hey we'd actually like to bring you on for a longer time like we'd actually like to offer you this full-time role and you've given yourself an opportunity to actually see how they show up without being in a longer term commitment to them right off the bat if that makes sense i also feel the same way around um getting co-founders like if you don't already know the person um having people work with you first before just offering a co-founder position because that's it's there's a lot of like legal ramifications personalities aren't a good fit and you need time just to like feel things out and also see how people you can like them but are they a good producer or a producer but do you like them right there's like exactly you have to consider yeah. So I, I would love to know, too, because like like I said, like I, I'm getting inspired every time you say something like real. Talk, <laughs> I, I don't like to you know, kiss butt or anything like that. Like you are real. You're a real one. So like when it comes down to it, like where do you where do you see yourself in five to ten years? Right. And and also I want to know, like what made you or what gave you the the 
just the just the like the courage to be your authentic self at all times, right? Like, cause me and you are cut from that same cloth, right? Mm-hmm. It's like like when I first met you, I thought the same thing. You were like, yo, what's up? I'm like, hey, <laughs> I'm like, yo, this is dope. But like, <laughs> where, where did you get that from, right? Was it like, well, was there a time where you couldn't be that and you were like, I'm just not doing that no more? Right. Um, gosh, I mean, I when when a lot of the organizations were making the public statements around standing in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, a lot of their internal employees were like, no, you don't. And like, exactly. I really felt that yeah. throughout my career, but also just throughout my life, I have been policed because of my hair. I mean, yeah. I have at least three stories of supervisors asking me to change my hair at work. Yeah. Yep. Same. I had to cut my hair. That's why I meant that I'm wearing the fitted now. I'm like, <laughs> raise down my back. I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, dang, for real? Or, um, or uh, sexual harassment happening yeah. at work. But also yeah. these things happening at school, too. Like, whether it's in undergrad or in grad school, I definitely felt out of place in um, my elementary and like middle school and at points in high school as well because of the different environments that I lived in. And some, I went to three high schools in three states. So again, um, influence on like why I'm such a cross-cultural education advocate. So I uh, grew up um, being around a bunch of different cultures. And what I identified was that the experience of trying to not just talk or, or walk in a certain way, but identifying like what is belonging and like what is identity in different environments. So it changes just by yeah. the zip code that you're in or like the room yeah. that, you're, that you enter. Okay. Yeah. And so like when, when I think about where I'm at now as a 33-year-old woman it's, am I going to keep trying to contort myself to fit into a box or like, am I going to relieve myself of some anxiety and fullness? And it really took a lot of work through of anxiety and depression. It took a lot of like getting through it to recognize like, Oh shoot. Like my belonging is in me. Like I'm where I belong. It's not like, I'm going to a certain place I'm belonging. Like I am said place. And that was a really big, like aha moment. And um, like sense of belonging has been something I have struggled with for my whole life, like for Mm -hmm. sure. And so that, that we experience already, like as, as humans, especially if we're humans that are still healing from like childhood traumas and everything, on top of navigating a racist and sexist society is like, dang, like how do I make space and find space and find safety? Like safety is that key, that key word. And so I think a lot of the work that we do at unpacking really goes back down to that at the end of the day is like, I know my why my why is that I unite a world of culture and belonging period. So like anything that I'm doing, whether it is with the tech company or you mentioned my hotel as well, culture and belonging, right? Designing for travelers of of color to find a sense of belonging when they enter my space. So like I'm I'm just really intentional right now around 
um, showing up as my fullest self because I think honestly it helps, it makes other people feel comfortable. I've seen that consistently when I'm facilitating, I see people kind of like let their guards down and feel, feel like they know it's okay to make errors and to try things because they recognize that, or, or also because we, we explicitly say like when we're norm setting, this is a call in culture. This is not a call out culture. We practice a call in culture. So if if we're going to practice, if we're going to make mistakes or ask questions or feel silly, this is the place to do this. This isn't council culture like out there in the real world. We're in a training for us to specifically have cross-cultural education. And so for a lot of us, the language is new. A lot of us, the topics maybe feel timid or uncomfortable. It's okay. So we, we create different norms to make sure that, we know it's okay, but also create teachable moments, such as um, using a keyword like oops. Like if someone says something and it comes off that in a way that may have been interpreted offensively or maybe is past language we don't really use into because, you know, it's changing every yeah. two days. Um, <laughs> we don't really use anymore. We have a community culture where we're, we know if someone says a name oops, says the word oops, we're able to name that thing in real time, address yeah. it and then move on, right? Um, And who taught me, the people that taught me to live fully in my truth, in my attire, in my hair, right? And the aesthetic that I show up with my nose piercing, my my hoop earrings I typically have on, are folk like Dr. Chris Emden, who is now at USC. He currently he was at um, Columbia prior. Um, Dr. David Stovall, Dr. Bettina Love. These were all, Dr. Gloria Latson Billings. These were all educators that I was introduced to when I was first starting off my education career. And I saw them show up in Timberlands and mm-hmm. in fitted hats and yep. in t-shirts at these huge research uh, conferences and things where we're around all these like suits and ties. And I'm like, dang, like we could, you're, you're a professor, like you're a doctor, like seeing that that. planted such strong seeds for me to know that like I was okay. Like it was okay to be me. And like, I didn't like, I, I was going to find a world that like all, I had to just keep showing up and be great. That's it. That's so real. Cause that, that carries more weight than anything else. Like, and I think there's a component there too. It's like, you kind of um, create your privilege. Like I have, I have a privilege in being able to show up in the attire that I show up in because I have a reputation for being a great speaker for leaving people with actionable steps and for them having memorable experiences when I'm there. So like this physical, like whatever, like facade isn't as um, thought about or like honed in on as how I make people feel at the end of the day. Like that's like, like, yeah, there's, there's, there's something around that, that, that belonging that I create for folk and that enjoyable experience I create for folk is what ends up lasting longer than them thinking like, dang, like she was kind of in a tight dress. Yeah. Well, I'm black and I have hips. So I don't know what to tell you. So like, that, that's it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like what you said was so real. Like, and I'm gonna be honest with you, Christina, that's why I do what I do. 
right? Like it's the representation matters, right? Wow. I've shared the story too. Like, but like when I came in the industry, I was straight from I was straight from the Bronx, right? You know, I came in, I was doing mortgages, I was selling BBQ smelling like ribs. I was, you know what I mean? I was at Starbucks, I did everything, right? And then when my son was born, I got a I got a way in. But yeah. when I got the way in, I had to be a specific way. I had to yeah. come in, I had to wear the same stuff I used to wear in Catholic school. I got baggy slacks on with Prada shoes. They looking at yeah. me with braids down my back. I'm like, okay. And you know, I come in, hey, what's up, Jared? Like, why you say what's up to me? Like that, you know what I mean? You have I have a language thing. changes. Like, what's up, my man's like. the way you said it was all off but okay right but like when I was young and thinking that and I knew I always had the hustle always had the drive always had the vision but there was nobody that looked like me uh, higher up and that is hard yeah yeah, you know, you had to like I used to think the black professionals there were VPs and CEOs and CMOs they were like the black elite Right. You don't get there. You have to know somebody to know somebody and you have to be related to their cousin and actually marry into the family and then say, what's (laughs) up? It's like, it's not that. Right. So me, I'm like, look, I failed for eight years. I've done a lot of great things, but I've also hit rock bottom. You know what I mean? So like if I'm going to fail and hit rock bottom and be broke out here, I'm going to do it like this. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I got to show up as myself. And then when I started to do that. Like you said, you fight through it. You fight through the imposter syndrome. You fight through the, does anybody care? Is anybody listening? There's days where nobody's listening. And you're like, holy crap, like it's not, what's up? And then you get that one day where somebody from like Germany is like, yo, I listen to your shit every day, man. And I love it. And you know what? Or me and Hootsuite right now, like I go into the, you know, to the big, you know, calls for our team. I see people more yeah. hats. I see more hoodies, and I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Right, so that's right. what. That's what it I gives. Love about it. When we show up as ourselves, it gives other permit. Or, sorry, it gives others permission to show up as yes. themselves as well. That's and it's, what it's such about. a beautiful ripple effect. Well, and that and that goes like across different spectrums. Um, and and whatever that that display looks like, whatever their expression looks like, and. It's, it's really rewarding. And then it's like, if we're thinking too about like this virtual space when mm-hmm. we're, or, or in person, when we do that, like think about how much more comfortable and easier it is for us to learn and to like process things when we've taken this like stress layer on this like judgment, yeah. like away. It's just, it's just like, okay, cool. <laughs> Let's all just like be laid back in this space. Um, and Focus on what, what we're here to focus on, that the stuff that like actually matters, because like the clothes yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I am telling you, it, it works. Like I show up in meetings like this. I, it could be a meeting with the CEO. I'm showing up like this, yeah. right? I know the value I'm gonna bring in that meeting or whatever conversation we're having, and I don't have to second guess myself. And when you have that, it's just like ah. Oh, Not having to second guess myself. You know what I mean? Like and also our language, right? So like yes. <laughs> The code switching that occurs and code switching happens in all sorts of forms, right? Everyone. We code switch when we're talking to our parents compared to when we're talking to our friends, compared to we're talking to our boss, compared to we're talking to um partner, maybe, lover, or something like whatever. Lover, you know, yeah, anything. like there's there's different language that we have, there's different keywords that we're using, yeah. there's different influxes on our tone and like Words yeah. have different meaning in different contexts as well, right? Like, bitch mean maybe one thing in one setting and bitch maybe something else in another yeah. setting, right? Like, it depends who you're talking to at what place in time. And, like, I, 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 I'm really big on emphasizing, like, environment and, like, because things, things carry different meaning and they only have meaning because we give it meaning, meaning right? Yeah. 
everything is a symbol, whether it's a word or it is an inanimate object, like they're symbols and they only hold weight because we've, we've placed value on it or taking yep. value away from it yep. as well. So real. So real. And Christine, I, don't, I feel like I can talk to you forever. Like, if everybody watching, I just want everybody to know, this is like our second conversation, right? <laughs> so if you understand, like, how we're so open like that, it just feels like old friends talking because it's just two real people having a conversation. And this is exactly what I wanted to have the podcast for. And I just want to let you know, Christina, like, I'm rooting for you. I'm sure everybody who's heard this conversation is rooting for you. Like, you are incredibly dope. Like, I want to see you win. I want to see you on the Forbes, the entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneur magazines and all that. And yeah. we're going we're gonna to manifest it, but you're putting in the work. So that's what matters, you know. So thank you for taking time out your schedule, like, just to rock with me and, and just to share, share game. And, like, I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Jay. I appreciate you thinking of me and having me. And, like, one thing I want to leave everyone with is... You know, in in that transition time for me of leaving education and entering tech, I was figuring things out, right? Like I told you, I quit my job, I quit school, all that. I slept in my car for a couple of months while I was figuring shit out, y'all. And now I'm one of the 0.2% of Black women that have raised venture capital funding just a couple of years later. So, like, don't mm. be afraid of betting on yourself. That's Do it. You got it. You're not given a vision for you to sleep on it. You're supposed to die with your memories, not with your dreams. So like go Mm. hard and just remember that people will believe in you and you believe in you. So I believe in you. (laughs) Oh man, that was, that was bars. (laughs) Dropped over some bars, but thank you so much, Christina. And everybody who's watching all the comments, Thank you, y'all. You know, I love y'all for free. Next, we actually got another one this week with Walter Gear for episode five. So he's one of, he's, he's a bad brother. He's one of the biggest executive creative directors in the advertising space. So he's interviewed, you know, um, Mark Pritchard, CMO Procter and Gamble, you know, um, Gary V, you name him. And he's somebody that I aspire to be. So to have the brother come on and we're going to talk shop, we're going to be on IG, we're going to have some fun. So we'll see you guys Wednesday at nine o'clock. Christina, once again, thank you so much, Queen. And yeah, I'm coming to the A too. So I got to holler at you. I'm moving Let's to the go. Table. Please got, do. You got lunch on me just off the love. And I appreciate <laughs> you, all right? Great and to see you guys next week. And Bye, everybody.